Hebrews chapter 11, as you're making your way there, I have been doing a series for the last, oh, probably month or so, five, six weeks, called Unshakable. And the hope has been that I will help you have what I'm calling unshakable faith in uncertain times. And how many would agree that we live in uncertain times in America? Uh, listen, we do. You don't, you, you don't have to read much or know much or look around very often to know that there's, there is great uncertainty about the future of America and the, in, in, in the uncertainty that's in the world as well. But here's something that I have come to experience in life and know the Bible teaches us. Though the world may be shaking and uncertain, we as Christians can be rock solid. The world may be falling apart around us. Your world may be shaken, but you can still lay your head on the pillow at night and have peace because God is the one that's ultimately in charge of your life. Amen? So how many know unshakable faith is not a natural thing that comes to us? We have to develop it. We have to walk with it. And today, as we remember October 31st, it's a, it's a, a tremendous day, not just because it, as the world celebrates a holiday called Halloween. We kind of redeem it with our Jesus Fest, let kids have fun and everything and preach the gospel. But about 500 years ago, it was in 1517, there was a Catholic priest. His name was Martin Luther. And he took what amounted to a, a small book, 95 Theses, uh, and he basically went to the church there in Germany, Wittenberg, Germany, nailed it on the door and said, listen, the way that we have been practicing church doing religion is wrong. They were doing something, um, they were basically, it was called indulgences. And what that would mean is it was a way if you would give money, you were falsely told that you could buy your way into heaven, that you could have sins forgiven and other things. And he said, wait a minute, we've got this thing all wrong. This is not about doing something to get right with God. Our, our, our faith starts with the Bible and our salvation starts with our faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 was a defining scripture for Martin Luther. He said, you're saved by grace through yeah, it's a gift of God, not by works. In other words, you can't do things or buy your way in. Your salvation is a gift from God, and you experience this gift by your faith, your trust, your belief in God. So as we look at this idea of faith, this series, Unshakable Faith, we're going to go back this morning to the man who started it all, the man who the Bible calls the father of our faith, and his name is Abraham. So I want you to look with me as we read a New Testament view of his life in Hebrews 11, verse 8. And it begins by saying, by faith, that is, by a confidence in God, a willingness to trust Him, to follow Him, to obey Him. Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place he was to receive his inheritance. Now, he lived in a region of the country called the Ur of the Chaldees. And basically, as we'll go back and see in Genesis today, God told him, I want you to leave your homeland and I'm going to send you to a brand new place. And because he heard the voice of God and knew the voice of God, he simply did what God said. He went there. He went out not knowing where he was going. I'm going to come back to that. In verse 12, therefore, the Bible says, from one man, this Abraham, and he was almost as good as dead because the child that was born to him was born when he was 100 years old and his wife was 90 years old. Now, how many know that's something that has to be supernatural when senior citizens are having babies? But this baby was a special child because it was through this child that literally the whole world would experience this blessing of faith and relationship with God. So there were born many descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Now, that's you and I that the Bible is speaking of today. Our spiritual heritage we owe to this man called Abraham. Now, his story, as we look at it today, starts with a 75-year-old man. When he heard this story that we'll recount in the book of Genesis, 75 years of age, he hears the voice of God, he takes out. But it takes 25 long years for God to do what he said. I mean, that's a long time to wait. And in that period of waiting, he had a lot of doubting. You ever doubt when God makes a promise to you? Can God really do it? 
Is God really able to turn things around in my life? Or the things that I'm hearing in church about God, about this, about giving, all these things. Is God really able to do all that? Well, that's the basis of faith. And Abraham had to wrestle with his doubts. And lastly, we're going to look at the fact that Abraham faced a great spiritual test. And if there's something I know that many of you are going through in your life today, there's a challenges that you're facing. You're wondering where God is. I want to suggest to you it may well be that you're experiencing a test of your faith. And when you respond the right way, God's going to promote you. So let's look at the life of Abraham. I want to teach you three things this morning. The first one is, is the starting place for your faith is a word from God. Now, how many know we have faith when we have desires and needs? I read my Bible, uh, Matthew six thirty three. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And basically, God says he'll take care of you. Well, how many know we have needs in our life? And when we have a need, what do we do? We pray and we have faith. We have desires in our life. Well, how many know sometimes desires aren't met and sometimes needs as we perceive them aren't met? But when God gives you a word, when you have a promise from God, I can guarantee you it is met with 100% certainty that God will always fulfill his word. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about this thing called doubt because doubt is the enemy of your faith. When doubt gets in, it's unbelief. It's refusal to believe, to walk in what God said. It'll destroy and undermine faith. It's kind of like a spiritual Pac-Man. If you can imagine faith as those little, those little marble-looking guys and Pac-Man is just coming and doubt is gobbling them up. Well, how many know we can stop doubt from destroying our life and we can move forwards in faith? We'll talk about it. And lastly, God tests our faith. And just like a test in school, it's not to punish you. But the test when God's involved in your life ultimately is to promote you. So let's jump into the story today. Go back in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, it's the starting place for Abraham. And the starting place for our faith is a word from God. The Bible just tells us in verse 1, the Lord said to Abram. Now, how many know when God speaks to us, when God speaks in the Bible, he talks to someone? It seems real natural, doesn't it? I can ask a question. You can, I mean, it just seems like, like, like it was just pretty clear that God spoke to Abraham and he heard it. It's recorded. Yeah. But how I many know it's not always easy to hear God speaking to us today? But do you believe that God still speaks today? How many believe that God still speaks today? Yeah. Listen, he, he speaks in multitudes of ways. It's not mystical, weird, or spooky. Uh, for example, ideal, uh, the most important way God speaks to us is through the Bible, the Bible that you hold in your hand, the scriptures that we show on the screens. That's pride's primary way to speak. But if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, somehow the Holy Spirit is living inside you and he's able to guide you. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. It's the Holy Spirit that the one who comes alongside us, the Bible talks about God's still small voice. You might have a dream. You might have a vision where God would speak to you. In the Bible, angels would speak to people on behalf of God. Uh, God may speak to you through a spiritual gift, the gift of prophecy, a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. How many know God is a speaking God? Sometimes God uses circumstances to speak in our life. Not all roadblocks means God is behind it, but how many know sometimes God directs our life through circumstances? So God is a speaking God, and Abraham heard his voice. And God told Abram to leave your country... Leave your relatives and your father's family and go to the land I will show you. Now, think about this. Basically, pick up everything you've got and take off. Verse 3 says, all the people on earth, and that's even us today. That's thousands of years after Abraham's life. The Bible says we would be blessed through you. In verse 4, Abraham simply did what God said. Abram, he left Haran as the Lord had told him. And the Bible says that this time he was about 75 years of age. I want you to think with me just a second. Imagine if God were to speak to you today and tell you this. I want you to just quit your job 
If you don't like your job, don't, don't say amen on that one. But let's say your job is going well. Let's say things are really blessed and it's really happening in your life. Or maybe you're in school and things are going real well in school. You're popular. You're the quarterback. You're this. You're that. I mean, you're top of your class. You're class favorite. Everything is going well. And God basically says, hey, I want you to move. I want you to change schools. I want you to, I want you to leave Texarkana. I want you to go to another place. I want you to just pick up your roots and go. Could you do it? Well, how about this? How many of you, if you have adult kids, for example, maybe you're here and you're my age, and what happens if your kid comes home one day and said, hey, Dad, listen, I was uh, hanging out with God today. You kind of Think about these college kids you saw on their video. I was hanging out with God today. I love Him with all my heart. And He told me I'm supposed to quit school, Mom. And He told me that I'm supposed to just leave and we're taking off and I'm leaving in the morning. Where are you going, honey? I don't know. Well, how are you going to take care of yourself? I'm not sure. God just told me to go. Imagine if that same child is married and has grandchildren, and you go to your father-in-law's house and say, Uh, Mr. Miller, I got Bethany and your grandkids, and we're leaving. Really? Okay, where are you going? I don't know. When are you coming back? I don't know. Well, how can we get in touch with you? I'm, I'm not sure. I tell Anel to lock the door and let's get rid of this crazy kid. Now, we're stretching a little bit. I want you to think about the enormity of what God was saying to this man. Just leave everything and I want you to go. But here's the deal. God told him to do it. And when God tells you to do something, it's the safest decision you can make. It is the most secure decision you can make. When you hear the voice of God, is for you to go and literally do what God told you to do. Abraham believed what God said and he acted on it. Now, if you want a very simple definition of faith, it's simply this. Believing what God says and doing it. That's all faith is. Faith is believing God said and doing it. See, looking at your Bibles, doing it because the Bible says that's what you're supposed to do. That's faith in God. Whether it comes to the way that I treat my wife, manage my money, whatever the case is, everything about my life, I read the Bible and I do it because God said so. Whenever the Holy Spirit speaks to us, how I many know He speaks to us and we do what He says? See, and I want to encourage you, I would never make a big decision in my life unless I felt God had given me a word. And depending on how big a decision was, I would want to talk to somebody about that decision. I would want to get some confirmation on that decision. How about you? I'm amazed at how many people just make huge decisions and after ask God to bless it after they get in the middle of it rather than seeking God's voice before they get in it. Let me tell you, the time to ask God for what to do is before you make the decision. I know tons of people that are trying to have faith and believing God for God to get them out of a pickle and their faith is trying to work. But listen, God never told them to do it. Why would you, listen, make some of the biggest decisions of your life? Why would you take a new job? Why would you leave your, leave your, the, the structure that God has brought you in, your family, other things? Why would you get married to someone without first having made sure that it was God's will? My best advice for people that want to get married is basically, if you believe God has led you to the right person, I encourage them to submit that first to their parents, their natural parents, biological parents, and then to a pastor, to someone where you can say, not for permission, but rather for confirmation in a spirit of submission to say, listen, we believe this is God's will for our life, but we want you to pray for us. See, rather than, oh, I got this beautiful ring and I got this hunk of a man and, and I want you to do the ceremony, but we're going to do it next Wednesday because we can't wait. 
Now, you can do it, and we'll do our best to support you. But I'm telling you, the best time to hear God's voice on these big decisions is before you get into it rather than down the road. You got quiet on me this morning. You see, and this is why it's so important that you take daily time to, to, to spend time with God each day. You'll notice in your Bible, you'll find that there's a little Bible guide in there uh, to encourage you to read your Bible every day. I think the most important appointment that you'll have all every day of your life is the time that you spend with God. Those few minutes in the morning, in the course of the day, at night, when you open your Bible and hear God's Word and let God talk to you. When you're, whether it's in a, a private place in your home, or sometimes I'm just riding in my car and I feel God prompts me to turn the radio off. I'm really in trouble now because I've finally figured out how podcasts work and how easy it is to do it on iTunes. So I got a bunch of people that I like to listen to. And as soon as I get quiet, I'm ready to start listening. And I felt the Holy Spirit tell me this week that he wanted me to draw a little bit closer to him when I turn that silly thing off. See, so God wants to engage us in relationship. It's not weird. It's not spooky. It's not. It, but it's it's quite normal in the life of the Christian. And it's so important for you to hear God's word. Now, let me let me give you something that has really helped me in my life. When I want to exercise my faith and believe God to get me kind of from where I am to where I'm going, there's a couple things that I can have faith for. I can have faith for a desire or a need, or I can have faith based on a word from God. Now, there's a difference. Let me give you an example. This, uh, I, I'm an avid duck hunter, and uh, I decided I'm going to build a duck blind this week. And a couple of days ago, I got to thinking I need some wood. I, I'd sure like some treated wood that's kind of aged. It's been outdoors a while, so it fits into the, to the outdoor experience. I didn't have any at home, so I just started praying. I looked and see what Lowe's was going to charge, and I got to thinking, you know, I, it's just that's not what I want. And I prayed a little bit, sent out a couple of Facebooks, and I said, Lord, I'd sure like to, to get some wood. Well, lo and behold, one of my friends said, hey, I got all you want. And right now it's packed up in my truck. I'm getting ready to go build my deal. Well, how many know it takes a little bit of faith, a little bit of initiative in God. But other times I live on a road that has more potholes than yours does. I can assure you that. And I have been asking God for four or five years to get my community road paved, and it's still not been paved. Now, how many know there's a desire, there's a need, but God has not told me that he's going to pave that road tomorrow. So now I'm just having to have faith and I'm believing that God's going to do that for me. I don't understand why it's been so long, but I'm still in the place of believing. Now, let me tell you the difference. And that road may never get paved. I don't have to have a paved road to go to heaven. And let me just, if I could, could take a little rabbit trail just a second. I'm one of these kind of guys that I want everything to be perfect in the world. How about you? I want everything to be right. I want to do it right. I want to make sure it's right. I want my little world to be right. And sometimes you can go a little bit too far in that. And I found that God, some of the things that were frustrating me in my world, one day I felt the Holy Spirit tell me this. I'm leaving these things in your life to remind you that earth is not your home. That this is not a... I was trying to make it a permanent place where everything's perfect. Where God wants me to have my view of earth that this is a temporary place. Are you with me? And earth is not my home. And sometimes I get too many creature comforts going and I get too locked in to life here at home and it's not supposed to be permanent. So my road may never get paved. Now, I believe that it will. Every time I get on it, I say, God, thank you for paving my road. But then, let me give you another experience. When we came to Texarkana 20 years ago, I was by myself coming to preach here at Church on the Rock. I was not looking for a new church. We were happy where we were. We just had a revival in our church in Palestine, and, and, and I got an invitation to preach. And I felt just as clear as a bell as I was driving from 155 uh, to Texarkana. I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, I want you to come to this church. I want you to come to this church, and I'm going to take care of you. I told my wife, and she said, you must be crazy. 
She said, I've just barely got the little house we're living in fixed now. Well, it was not because of a problem, but I'd submitted myself to God. And guess what? Over the last 20 years, God has taken care of us. God has blessed our church. God has smiled on us in a multitude of ways. And it is an anchor in my world. And here's what I want you to see. There's a difference sometimes between a desire and a need and a word from God. And you need to have words from God and everything, but I, I always don't. I'll just tell you, sometimes I'm just praying and believing for the road, and I'm praying and believing for the wood, and I'm praying and believing for other things. But when God speaks to me, I know and it's settled and it's sure. Are you with me this morning? Well, this is what Abraham's journey was all about. It was about hearing God's word for his life. It was about doing what God said to do. But you're going to find now that the, 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 the main lesson is you base your responses on a word from God. But here's the deal. Sometimes it takes a long time and you tend to doubt. So let's look at the second thing that all of us share in common, I bet, today, is we struggle a bit with our doubts. Genesis chapter 17 Doubt is the enemy of your faith. Doubt is that kind of spiritual Pac-Man that will eat your faith if you're not careful. In Genesis 17, verse 15. Now, how old was Abraham when he started his journey? 75. Now, he's 99 years old. Now, how many know senior citizens don't have babies? Everybody said? You're wrong. Because Abraham and Sarah, God said, you're going to have a baby. She's 89 and he's 99. You say, well, that's just mythology in the Bible. Verse 15, God said to Abraham, it's just, this, it's just kind of dialogue. God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, and I don't have time to get in this today, but in their story, their journey, which is the title of the message, Sarai becomes Sarah and Abram becomes Abraham. And part of the name change is symbolic of the fact that they are growing and maturing in their walk of faith. And God is doing something on the inside of their lives through these experiences because God's going to make this man in 40 years the father of faith. Verse 16, God says, I'm going to bless her and I'm going to give you a son by her. I will bless her. And listen to this. She will become nations. Now, they, God is just looking into the supernatural right now. See, you can stay within the boundaries of your reason or your logic and live that way all your life and have a fairly secure and certain life, but you'll never step into a supernatural dimension until you begin to take steps of faith based on God's Word. Because God's trying to pull them out of the natural into the supernatural. It's based on the Word of God and its faith, but nations are coming from her. How many know she can't do that herself? How many know there's things in of your own ability you'll never do on your own? I don't care how smart you are, how sharp you are, how much money or resource you have. There's just some things that you can never do on your own. But God has the ability to do things in you that could never be done on your own. God has the ability to enlarge you, to make you larger and stronger and deeper, to cause your influence to, to broaden in life. But that's that supernatural, and it takes this thing called faith to do it. Abraham, verse 17, fell on his face and said, Thank you, Jesus. No, he didn't. The Bible said he fell on his face and did what? He laughed. Now, I, I, read, I read quite extensively on this, and some of the commentators believe that this was a laughter suggesting, I'm just real happy about what God's going to do. Most of them denied that, and I'm kind of with the latter, because his questions reveal his heart to me. Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said, Shall a child be born to a man who's a hundred? And shall Sarah, who's ninety years old, bear a child? And it's further reinforced by the response of Sarah in a verse or two down. In Genesis chapter 18, verse 12. Now, listen. Abraham did what all doubters do. Now, if you don't remember anything else today, I want you to remember this. 
Abraham did what all doubters do. They look at the facts instead of God. Let me say it again. That's where doubt is. Doubt, see, if it's based on the word from God, you're going to have a child. And then you're at the place where you're laughing about it. You don't see how it's possible. You've waited and it's not happened yet. See, doubters look at the facts and the facts become bigger than God. Look at uh, 1812. Sarah is laughing. Now, this is the very next chapter. Again, it's a God encounter at work. God is telling them of the, the child to be born. Sarah is hiding in the house. And Sarah is laughing. And she thought, after I'm worn out, my master's old, am I going to have this pleasure? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, well, I really have a child now that I'm old? And listen to this next question, because it's kind of the nucleus of the issue. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Don't you look at somebody near you and ask them, eyeball to eyeball, is anything too hard for the Lord? Come on, ask them. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is it, is it too hard for the Lord to direct you? to the perfect place? Is it too hard for the Lord to give you a car when yours is broken down? Is it too hard for the Lord to turn your bankrupt business into a prospering business? Is it too hard for the Lord to find a, a mate for you? Somebody say, Amen. I hope not. See, is it too hard for the Lord for God to turn America around? Is it too hard for the Lord to cause wayward children to come home? Is it too hard for the Lord to take a husband who's tied up in pornography and drugs and alcohol? Is it too hard to get him to begin serving the Lord and on the front row in every prayer meeting? Is it, is, it, is it too difficult? Is it too difficult for God to know when your child that's run away from home and their own drugs and you're just afraid for them or they're stuck in some jail somewhere? Is it too hard for the Lord to turn their life around? Is it too hard for the Lord to make that child the preacher even today? Listen, they're selling methamphetamine. They're making drugs in a hotel somewhere. Is it too hard for the Lord to do that? See, that's the question today. Is it too hard for the Lord to, to redeem your business, to pay off your mortgage? Is it too hard for the Lord to put food on your table when you don't have any? Is it too hard for the Lord to take care of you when Social Security is bankrupt? Is it too hard when somebody steals everything you own? Is it too hard when you're lied to, lied about at work and you lose your job and you're walking out in shame and they're writing about you in the newspaper and they're, and they're demeaning your character? Is it too hard for the Lord to promote you, to make you the head and not the tail? Is it too hard? Is it too hard for God to take a slave? A child, a boy, 17 years of age, that was thrown into a pit and he goes to be a slave in Potiphar's house. Is it too all hard for the Lord, for God to make that man the vice president of all Egypt and save the world? Is it too hard to make John the Baptist's parent pregnant at a, at a late age in life and John the Baptist be born? Is it too hard for the Lord to take a John the Baptist and he live in the wilderness and eats locusts and wild honey? Is it too hard for him to baptize hundreds of thousands of Israeli, Israeli people who are away from God? That's the question. But we look at the facts. We look at the circumstances. And say, it's just too hard. Here's what we say. We pull out our billfold and say, and say, my credit's used up. I don't have any money. We look in the mirror and say, I'm too old. See, she's crying about it. She's feel sorry for y'all. She's probably saying in baby talk, those people do feel it's too hard for the Lord, Pastor, and I hope they change. I hope they turn around. Reason and experience make it impossible for people this old to have a baby. But can I tell you, God specializes in the impossible. This word doubt, unbelief, doubt means to lack confidence in God's ability to do what he said. That's all doubt is. It's lacking confidence that God, God it, 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 it's faith in reverse. 
God cannot do what God said He would do. That's what was the problem with the ten spies. Do you realize about a million people, a whole generation of people died in the wilderness many, many years ago as they were journeying from Egypt to the promised land? Why did they die? Because ten guys came back and said, we just can't do it. Those giants there are too big. And Joshua and Caleb said, yes, we can. Yes, we can. If God said it, we can do it. See, they based their life on a word from God. But here's the sad thing. All that generation died. Joshua and Caleb had to twiddle their thumbs for 40 years watching all the unbelievers die. And then when they were dead and out of the way, God said, okay, now you can go in because you believed in me. Doubt has been killing people since the beginning of time. Uh, how about Jesus? What's, what's Jesus' main rebuke for his disciples? What was it? Oh, ye of... They're in a boat and Jesus is with them. Now think about this. Jesus, the creator of the universe... The sustainer of all things. Jesus is in the boat. The one that they'd seen do miracles. Water splashing over the side. They said, help, we're dying here. Please help. And what did Jesus tell them? Oh, ye of... Yeah. Oh, ye of little faith. Why did you doubt? Thomas. Thomas must have been a, a, a highly educated man. Thomas, after the resurrection, somebody told him Jesus was alive. He said, I ain't going to believe it. Unless I can put my finger in those nail-scarred hands. I'm not going to believe See, this is our problem because there's such a disconnect. We live in a world that's governed more like those crazy philosophy of the Greeks that survived, you know, what did they, 1,500 years or more. We believe they're thinking 2,000 years or more, 2,500 years. Aristotle, Plato, all those guys, everything they believed where God's not in the box. God is in the box. He's under the box. He's over it. He's in it. He's around it. He's giving context to everything. But we just are so bound by reason or logic rather than a word from God. And it's the word of God that sustains us. Let me tell you something else. Dad will get you in trouble. I'm going to wrap this up. Sometimes we try to help God. Now, they're about 85 years of age right now. This is a little, a little back in their story. And it's been a long time since God promised it. And, and Sarah, Sarah says, hey, look, I don't think I'm going to be able to have this baby. But here is my maidservant, Hagar. You can get her pregnant. And the dummy had a baby with Hagar, Abraham, and guess who was born? Ishmael. And Ishmael from his birth was known as a wild man. He was like a wild donkey. Do you realize today the, 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 the tragedy that's going on in the promised land in Israel today, the struggle between the Israelis and the Palestinians? Do you know you can trace this back to Abraham? you know he had two children? He had Isaac, the son of promise, which the Jewish people came, and he had Ishmael that came from Hagar. And listen, Abraham plus a, a number of other knuckleheads in the past are all the fathers and great-great-grandfathers of the Palestinian people. Can I tell you, when you try to help God, you mess things up. You may go in the parking lot and look at your car and it might not crank and you want to kick that car and you feel the Lord say, I'll get you a car. That does not mean you go down to the dealership today and buy a brand new car. Just because you know what God wants you to do doesn't mean that the time to do it or the way to do it is clear. We sometimes feel like if the opportunity is there, that must be God. It might be, but I'll tell you what, I'd sure pray about it before I get 60 months of payments. That's just extra. For all you know, God may give you a car. For all you know, God may give you a deal that just blows everybody out of the water. You say, well, that's impossible. That's your problem. If you'd spend a little more time... Praying and drawing near to God and being close to God rather than just figuring out the payments and looking at the deals. 
Chapter 22, let's wrap it up. God tests our faith, but it's to promote us. Now, Isaac in this story is a teenager, Abraham. Now, of course, the child is born. He's, let's just imagine, because we don't know for certain, but let's say he's 15, 18 years of age, this teenage boy. After these things, look at verse 1. God, what's it say? Tested Abraham. You know God is like a school teacher. You remember when you were in school, or you kids that are in school now, what happens if you go to class tomorrow and you show up, and as soon as you get there, the teacher says, put your books under your desk, put your calculators in your pocket or purse, turn your phones off, get out a pencil, we're having a test. What's everybody say? Why do they say that? Because that wicked teacher is trying to keep me down, punish me, hurt me. No, that wicked teacher is trying to lift you up. And the test is going to reveal what's in your heart. And if you pass the test, you're going to get promoted. And if you don't make a good grade on the test, that's just inspiration to you to go back and study a little bit more in a little more deliberate way. Bethany's in college and she's taken a world religions class and, and didn't have the teacher figured out and didn't make a great grade her first test or two. And she's kind of panicking and, and Linnell's just saying, listen, honey, you just got to go to the teacher, go in his office and talk to him and, and you got to figure out how to study and figure out how to take the test. And she says, okay, I will. She texts me the other day. She says, I got a hundred on my last test. Well, that first test, listen, was not, it just revealed where she was and what she knew and, 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 and her relationship with this teacher. But the second test, she was in gear. That's what a test does. A test is not to keep you down. A test is to promote you so you get your A and you get your degree. God tested Abraham and said, Abraham. And he said, here I am. If God called your name, would you even know it? See, this is why this whole idea of having a daily time with God and then walking with God. Here's how my spiritual life has evolved. Give me, give me a few more minutes this morning. Five or ten minutes. Who give me five minutes? Let me see your hand. Five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five. Okay, that's, that's, that's all I'll need. When I was a boy, my mom made me go to church. And I thank God mom made me go to church. Because when it came time for me to make my adult decision, I, I was not looking at, my, at Buddha. I was not staring at my belly button looking for answers. I knew Jesus was the way. But then there came a place when I, I was a Christian and I would go. I've had times when I went kind of out of obligation. And God had a small part of my life. But as I began to grow closer in my walk with God, I realized God didn't want just an hour on Sunday or even two hours on Sunday. God wanted my whole Sunday. And that doesn't mean I have to go to church all day. It just means He wants to be the center of my world 24-7. And I can tell you, that's not what I signed up for. I just wanted to go to heaven when I got saved. How about you? I just wanted my problems to be over. I'm just being honest with you. I was carnal and self-oriented, and I've become someone who doesn't know Christ as Savior, but walk with Him as Lord and enjoys every minute. But you have to open your life to God. Well, Abraham is doing this. He's being tested. Here I am. Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I'll tell you about. And can I tell you, that was... Now think about this. Through this baby, all the nations of the world are going to be blessed. It is the most illogical thing. And you must understand this. Never in, in the Christian Bible has God ever advocated child sacrifice. That was a pagan practice. The god of Molech, what they would literally do, take this idol, this stone idol, heat it up hot, and they'd put their little babies on that idol. They would offer them to that idol thinking to appease the gods. Listen, that's the god of this world. That's not the god of heaven. 
It was that spirit, I believe, that was behind Pharaoh when he had all the babies killed, behind Herod when he had all the babies killed, behind the modern spirit of abortion today. See, it's more than a choice. Listen, friends, it's not just a political phrase. But there was a spirit that's behind... God, God is not like that. God is life-giving. But what God was doing is God was testing this man. So here they go to worship on Mount Moriah. Let me kind of summarize it for you. Isaac is a teenager. The unthinkable is happening. God tells him to go, and he goes. Now, here's what I want you to see in these last few moments. His faith is growing. So when Abraham and Isaac, and they've got, and he's a teenage boy and an old man, and, and they've got servants that are walking with him to the mountain, and here's what Abraham says in chapter 22, verse 5. We're going to worship, and we're coming back. Now, stop just a minute. When you sacrifice someone, that means you kill them. They are dead. Well, how could he come back then? That's where faith comes in. See, faith believes what the eyes cannot see. Faith believes it because God, faith is what Peter had when Jesus said, I want you to get out of the boat. And he didn't figure everything out. He just got out and walked on water. Faith responds to God and believes God. We don't know how God's going to do it, but we believe that God said it. Now, in verse 8, Isaac asks a pretty good question. Here Isaac is. He's got wood. He's got, he's got you know, the matches, the lighter. Uh, and he's looking around, and there's no animal to sacrifice. There's no lamb. Now, how many know that's a pretty good question to ask? He says, where is the lamb? And you know what Abraham said? God will provide. There's no Walmarts. There's no, you know, there's no uh, people selling sheep on this top of this mountain. It's just the two of them. God will provide. How do you know that? Because he said he would. And then they walk up the mountain, and then he lays him down on the altar. Isaac willingly submits. This is a picture of Jesus Christ, how he willingly gave his life for ours. He lays him on this altar, and then you know what the Bible says? He raised the knife. Now, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, it gives us some insight. In 11.19, it says he believed that God would raise him from the dead. He raised the knife, and you know the story as it goes. Then God said, Abraham, don't do it. Don't do it. If you keep reading, it would say, now I know. Now I know. Because you've passed the test. And go ahead and put your seatbelt on, Abraham. I'm about to bless your socks off. You're going to have children, listen, that are as great as the sand on the seashore. You look up in the sky with no pollution. All those stars, your, your heritage is coming that way. You did it, buddy. You passed the test. The test was not to hurt him. The test, though, was to purify him, refine him, reveal what's in his heart. You may hate the test that's going on in your life. Joseph somehow kept with God for 13 years under his test. And then one day, suddenly, there's a knock on the door and said, Hey, Pharaoh needs somebody to interpret a dream. And he comes out. I can't do this, but God can. See, the whole thing is a test. And the test is not to hurt you. The test is to promote you. Give God a big hand today. Here's how we're going to close. I want to show you a little video. There's a member of our church that had just told me what happened in his life that I have watched literally go through hell for the last few years. And when he told me what happened in his life and how God delivered him, I said, I've got to share this with the church. It's about three minutes. I want you to listen to that. And then we're going to close with prayer because God's got something good for you. Go ahead and show the video. Hi, my name is Dave Burke, and I've been a member of Church in Iraq for almost two years now. And I'd just like to tell you about the, the journey I had uh, for a couple of years in a row, actually, before I got here. And I'm originally from Michigan, 
And, you know, the economy, I think everybody knows, is extremely bad in Michigan. And I ended up working for four places in a row that went out of business. And then ended up having to uh, find a job at a place that I was driving very far uh, to and from work. Uh, then, next thing you know, that place was going out of business. And I ended up having to work and leave my family. And finally ended up uh, finding this job here in Texarkana. And the journey I was on was just one of uh, financial struggles. Uh, struggles just being away from my family and my wife and everything else and the whole time I was trying to have faith and do the right thing and do as much as I could do. I joined Church in Iraq here and basically praying for, uh, for a miracle. Um, the, my wife's been up there for two and a half years and finally uh, I had an opportunity to get an interview which is 15.1 miles away from my house. My daughter had homecoming and she ended up being the homecoming princess for her school. I went to that, I actually went into this interview, and to make a long story short, just two days ago, they offered me a job up there. I'm getting back with my family, and I'm getting back with, you know, just living there in a town that has 15% unemployment. You know, the whole state has something about that for unemployment. And uh, this is just uh, a job that's beyond comprehension for anybody to get. I mean, it really is. And the struggles I went through, and you know, I was tried. My faith was tried. Um, I just tried to do everything I could to stay in the focus, stay in the word, and I constantly, to be honest with you, for the last several months, I've just been praying and praying and praying. And all of a sudden, I have this job that's more than I asked for in, in terms of, and more than I have right now, even down here in Texarkana, as far as just about every aspect of the job. Um, but that's been my journey. Uh, follow your journey and have faith and keep praying and it'll happen for you too we want to have a time of prayer and after our prayer you're dismissed i sure hope many of you will stay and or just run home come back help us set up for the jesus fest be a part of that tonight and we've got this little uh, guest reception just take a couple minutes i'd love to shake your hand right afterwards but right now i want you to turn your heart to the place of prayer because here's what i know the holy spirit has been speaking to you in this message this has been more than just comfort. He's been speaking to you. You've been hearing the voice within the voice. I want you to bow your head. I want to ask you this question. Where are you now on your journey of faith? Do you know what God is asking you to do? For many of us here today, that's the starting point. Lord, what are you saying in my life? I have faith with the desires and needs, but I need to get to the place to where I'm basing what I believe, what I'm doing on a word from you. Maybe you're struggling with doubt today. It's real. It made Abraham and Sarai laugh. It makes us do all sorts of crazy things. Maybe you're here today and you're helping God out a little bit. You've got an Ishmael in your world. You don't know what to do. Maybe your faith is being tested. But I just want you in your own way to do what I can't do for you, and that's to reach out to God right now. To say, Lord, I want to be like Abraham. I want to be able to have such a walk with you that I know what you say, tell me to do, and I just do it. I'm walking with you, that I am getting past my doubts, that I am avoiding the traps of the Ishmael. You don't need my help. You need my obedience. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and show us what to do. Help us to be that great man, that great woman of faith, to not buckle under the pressure of 24 years of nothing to stand strong in faith and ultimately give glory to you. So we welcome you today, Lord. We just all affirm in this room today 
if we want to live like that. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Keep your head back. Bow just a moment, your eyes closed. I want to ask you a very private question today about your own personal spiritual life. I wonder today, are you a committed follower of Christ? And that's the phrase, are you a committed follower of Christ? Do you play at this church game or have you genuinely sold out to follow Jesus? If you died today, are you 100% certain you'd go to heaven? There's no more important question. You can be, friend. Today can be the mark of the beginning of a spiritual change in your life. Today can be a day when you reach out to Christ and say, Lord, would you forgive me? Because this is the day I'm going to believe in you. I'm going to put my trust in you and I'm going to follow you. This is not my day. For some of us, it's the first time we've ever done it. For others that are here today, we've just kind of gotten off track with God. We're not living the way we should, but we want to renew our faith in Christ today. So that's you this morning. If I'm talking to you right now, nobody looking around, it's not their business. But if you need to get right with God today, if you want Christ to come and save you and be the Lord of your life, if you want Jesus to be the center around which your world revolves, I want you to just lift your hand right now and know who you are today. I'm going to do it quickly. I'm not going to embarrass you, but we're going to have somebody pray for you today. I want to get right with God today. Yeah, I see your hand over there, pal. I see your hand. Other people today. I'm going to get right with God. I want to get right with God. God bless you. I see your hand, too. I see both your hands. Anybody else this morning? I see your hand, dear. God bless you. Anybody else today? I want to get right with God today. I want to get right with God. I'm turning my life to Christ. All right, here's what we're going to do. I want you to look at me right now. We're going to close our service this way. We're going to have a prayer team just come forward. These are men and women that have been praying all week for you. Though that when you come up to them and share with them what's on your heart, they're going to pray with you and believe that God's going to do that very thing. You that lifted your hands to make a step for Christ, I'm going to encourage you to come and let them pray for you. You're the most important here this morning. You that are making steps, that are making turns to Christ, whether it's the first time or whether it's the second, third, or fourth time, I want you to come and tell somebody what you're doing. We want to help you. We want to give you something. But I'm going to open this altar call this morning because for many of you that are here today, you need to have a connection with God. You need, if you've got an Ishmael in your life, or maybe your faith is weak and you want someone to pray for you. I don't know what it may be, but you may have some struggle in your life and you just need God to help you. And you don't want to go home until you've talked to somebody and prayed for somebody. I want to tell you, friend, God can do something in that moment. If God is speaking to your heart and drawing you to the place of prayer right now, don't deny His voice. Respond to Him and He'll do something big in your life. Praise the Lord. I know it's real. Listen, you don't have to be a member of this church to come for prayer, and you certainly don't have to be embarrassed. Everybody, including me, needs prayer. So what we're going to do in just a minute, he's going to start praying and singing. I'm going to have everybody stand so it's easy to get out. Those those are our prayer team. They're going to come and stand at the altar. I just want to invite you to come right along with them, right behind them, and tell them what you need prayer for today. And we'll sing the song through a time or two, and then you'll be free to be dismissed. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet as our prayer team comes now. Go ahead and begin to sing, Pastor Nick. You that need prayer this morning, I want you to come. You that lifted your hand just a moment ago, you come and let somebody pray for you about your decision for Christ. The Lord Jesus cares for you, and He can do something about it. You come and let us pray for you now.